Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Barber, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with 19 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also Dave Ramsey's preferred local provider and have over 20 years in helping corporations and individuals with planning. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. It's one way you can stream us if you're... uh Kind of hanging out, you know, this Saturday morning or wherever you're, or, you know, people listen to us. We have clients in what, yeah. 30 states, roughly. So we do have folks outside the CSRA that listen to us. You can also catch us on the dial at 1230 a.m. That's another way to Yeah, and take us on in. vacation with you. It's yeah, my right. favorite way to, to listen to the station yeah, while I'm on vacation. Yeah, you take your iPhone, right? You download the TuneIn radio app, um, which, uh, you know, allows you to tune in right there on, on your iPhone and... I mean, it's just a great way to listen. It's right there in your pocket. You can plug your headphones in. You can go out and work in the yard. Uh, yeah. Or if you're on vacation, laying on the beach down in the Caribbean. Or his favorite, yeah, playing golf. Yeah. They're that's playing right. golf. That'd be good, too. It's a little distracting if you're playing golf. You might want to record it. And then if you true. get the pro yeah, version, the yep. you can actually get record it. You can set it up to record every yep. single Saturday, and then you can listen Right after you shoot that 75. (laughs) On the front nine. On the front nine, yeah. Great way to listen. All right, we have a great show lineup for the day. Um, You know, by the way, we have uh, uh, Gordon Leppard, our new advisor here in the office again, in the station here with us again today. And um, so welcome, Gordon. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we have a great show lineup today. We're going to start off talking about how to ruin your retirement savings. Oh, we're going to give people the secret formula. The huh? secret formula, yeah. In case you haven't figured out how to ruin it yet, we know how to do it. Well, we do. Unfortunately, the stats show that quite a few people do. Quite a few people do. So we're going to show you how to avoid that yeah, as well. Um, it's a great article out of U.S. News and World Report, and it just talks about some of the major pitfalls that people fall into with their retirement savings and not planning properly mm-hmm. and, and how to avoid those. So we're gonna, that's what we're going to start with. Yeah, it's a good article. And then we're going to end our uh, – had the second segment talking about QE3. That's the quantitative easing, uh, the third round. And uh, what, what's going to happen to the market after that? A lot of people are asking questions of – you know, the Fed's been pumping money in, and, and um, you know, when that starts to dry up a little bit, markets like liquidity. So there's an old saying, don't fight the Fed. Well, the Fed's about to reverse that. So we're going to look at um, some some stats and some things that maybe you got to consider in your own situation. Yeah, that's a good one. And then the last um, one we're going to cover is another article. It's uh, Checklist. Checklist. Yeah, Retirement re- Readiness. Yeah, so this is the retirement show today. I mean, we're going is. to tell you everything about retirement today. Kind of, kind of focused on it. So it'll be, we'll make it lively, though. We always yeah, ab- do. Absolutely. Yeah, so the readiness checklist, what to look for, yeah, and being absolutely. ready for retirement. 
That's a good one. All right, we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this source is from the Urban Institute. And, Steve, we've talked about this before, um, how the role of pensions have declined uh, over time. And, really, um, companies have pushed the burden of retirement onto the employees. And this stat just kind of bears that out. Um, back in 1989, about 42% of workers in the private sector, so that's non-governmental workers, had a defined benefit pension plan. So almost half, getting close to half, had had you know defined uh, benefit, which means you know you would have Social Security and then you'd have a pension coming in as well. Well, that number's dropped drastically down to 19% in uh, 2012, and and I guarantee you, 20 years if we're doing this radio show, it'll be in the single digits. Yeah, no doubt. I'm afraid I'm in the uh, the 81% number that mm-hmm. don't have it. And so yeah, I mean that would have been nice, wouldn't it? Like you'd be your grandparents, you know, had yeah. the, the great retirement plan. Some pension. of these folks in in the area um, working, um, you know, for the site or for Southern Company, there's some great benefits that some of these folks have. You know, so, teachers still have a great yep. pension, um, but the, that is changing though. I mean, for new hires, mm-hmm. even in the government sectors, you're not getting the pension you used to have. If you get a pension at all, it, it's not the same. So. You know, even in the federal government, I mean, you know, they have FERS and SERS, and yeah. I don't know what all that means, but, it, yeah. you know, the, the pension changed. It's not as good. So you you have to you have to plan accordingly. Yeah, I mean, you, you have people that are, you know, years out from retirement with pensions, they're making changes to inflation adjustments. They're, they're freezing pensions every day. So it's not a benefit that you can count on if you're, you know, 10, 20 years away. So, but... You know, it's kind of a sign of the times. Yeah, you just got to do the planning, and you have to plan to uh, make up the difference in your your savings here. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. That's um, right. And the first segment here is how to ruin your retirement savings. You know, it's certainly not something you want to do, right? Um, but we're going to tell you how to avoid that. And this is an article out of U.S. News and World Report. Um, Kimberly Palmer, and uh, you know, a recent article here, and and. and there's some great points in here. It's you just got to learn how to plan around these to avoid these pitfalls. Yeah, there's no shortage of reasons why Americans don't save enough money for retirement, John. I mean, you know, there's a stock market drop, so we've had um, over the years here recently. Uh, there's the declining popularity of pensions, so people just like we just mentioned in the fact of the week. And the high cost of living are all culprits of why people don't have enough money saved for retirement. But you know, many people across all the income brackets could run out of money at some point during retirement, according to a um, new report just released from the Employment Benefit Research Institute. And low-income indiv- individuals are the most at risk. It says three in four Americans in the lowest income quartile will run out of money after 10 years of retirement, according to the EBRI. Uh, and... You know, I mean, despite the many things that we can't easily change or protect against, like inflation, um, there are some self-inflicted wounds here that you can easily avoid. Mm -hmm. And so these are the ones that can ruin your retirement, and there's really no one else to blame but the person brushing his teeth in your bathroom mirror. That would be you. Yeah, that's right. That's the, the man or the woman in the mirror. The man or the woman in the mirror. Exactly. So... You know, fortunately, we've compiled a list here of the uh, ways to to kill your retirement um, so that you can inoculate yourself against some of these retirement diseases. Yeah, number one here on the list is quite interesting, Steve. It is. It is. It is. Um, Yeah, the first one here on the list, John, is having children. (laughs) 
<laughs> a way to ruin your retirement. Yeah. Yeah. This is according to the U.S. News report. I I'm not making this up. Um, Matthew's in here with us. Matthew, you're you're expensive. I'm just telling you. That's You'll right. The that's right. They are expensive, and that's why you have to plan for it, right? I mean, of course, we believe children are a gift from God, and they're they're usually a blessing. So, usually, usually right? So, we aren't actually suggesting that you avoid parenthood here, but to help to help to consider, you have to help consider the. It helps to consider the ramifications in advance and prepare accordingly because kids are expensive. Yeah, the the latest figures um, from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which were uh, released just last year, show that middle income parents now spend about two hundred and forty thousand dollars on the first seventeen years of their children's lives and. Yeah, these are calculated for folks. Quarter of a million dollars. Quarter of a million. I mean, the e- extra costs um, include health care, food, housing, clothing, food, clothing, food, clothing. Food. They're expensive. More food. As they yeah. grow and they eat more and so forth. And, you know, that can really funnel money away from long-term savings. Now, we're certainly not saying, you know, don't have kids, but they're expensive. Right. And, and you know, if you look closely at some of this, uh some of those factors can be self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the baby that's always sitting there crying for yeah, uh, like <clears throat> designer shoes at two months old or three months old. You know, certain things that uh, young parents tend to do sometimes is overindulge in certain things that put them oh, in yeah. a hole from the beginning. Sure. And so, you know, it's a uphill, uphill battle from from the get-go. Yeah, that's a good point. It is. I mean, you have to have some backbone. You have to have some discipline, I think, in in how you plan and how you budget and how you spend money on your kids, you know, through the years. Because um, you're right, uh, Gordon, it's going to be a battle. You know, I mean, kids are going to want stuff, and, and there's going to be a million extracurricular activities mm-hmm. to plan for in school, and some of them are very, very expensive, so you're going to have to say that, that even kind of gets back to uh, one of the shows we had just a little while back about the different activities that we decide to participate in or allow our children to participate in and how involved and how much money we do oh, yeah. spend in that. They, they so, can be expensive. You know, being selective <clears throat> and uh, That's right. you know allowing your children to enjoy and participate or try certain things, but not overindulging and, and that consuming your life. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, there are ways to budget and mitigate, you know, some of this cost or a lot of this cost simply by, I mean, you could buy secondhand clothes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, particularly when they're young. Um, you know, you can steer away from the expensive extracurricular activities and, and toward more the free type of extracurricular activities. Especially outside. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, kids can wreck any budget if you don't plan well and have a disciplined way to say no to the onslaught of expenses that are possible expenses that are going to come up. So the bottom line here is you need to plan well. Don't let your kids put a 20-year freeze on your retirement savings. That's really the first point here. And so we will continue this list when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD. 
D, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Barber, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, an advisor with us here at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about um, how to ruin your retirement savings. Mm-hmm. Just in case you haven't figured it out, guys, we we have the list here of how yes. you can ruin it. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people in the world have already figured this out, right? They're, unfortunately, they're, yeah, they ruin it pretty handily. But no, these are the ways to; these are the things to look for, so you can avoid ruining your retirement savings. And as we talked about, you know, some of them are kind of surprising here on the list. The yeah. first one that they list here from U.S. News and World Report is having children. Yeah, yeah, about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, that's the issue, right? They cost; they're very, very expensive. Even if you, even if you're you budget well and you plan well, it's still very, very expensive. So you have to, to plan for that and you have to realize that, you know, you got to have a plan for how to save around that mm-hmm. and save through those years. You cannot put a 20-year freeze yeah, you can't. on your retirement savings. Right, right. You've got to make, you know, a lot of times people put college savings ahead of retirement savings, which... You know, in our opinion, is not the right right choice. Dave Ramsey obviously says baby step four, save for retirement. Baby step five is college. Um, so you got to get these things in order. You can't put right. it on hold for 20 years. And it, it goes right along with point number two here because point number two here for ruining retirement savings is waiting too long. And that's what we see. It relates to children. A lot of people will wait till after their children are, like, out of high school and, you know, college before they really get serious about retirement. You cannot do that. Um, yeah, financial advisors find that people often delay savings for retirement until their debts are paid off or their kids are out of school. I mean, that can mean sacrificing years and years of compounding returns. So instead, we recommend you open a retirement account immediately as soon as you start working. Um, eventually work up to a full Roth contribution, even if you can only start with a small amount, you know, each pay period. I mean, saving those small amounts, even $25 a paycheck, for example, can get you started in a retirement account, can start building momentum. So you get some savings, you see it, and then you can start adding to it. You can start increasing. Every time you get a pay raise, you can put an extra 1% in there. I love to see people setting up an automatic increase, you know, in their retirement plan. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the employer match contributions can help even more. You you have to make sure that you're putting enough in to get the matching contributions in your retirement plan. Yeah, that's free money. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Number three here on the list is failing to calculate a retirement number. And, see, this does not surprise me. The uh, Trans America Center for Retirement um, Studies just did a, a survey, and only one in ten people have made such a calculation, and they know what that retirement number is, kind of what that bogey is. And uh, that might explain why the survey after survey shows that Americans are far behind on meeting retirement saving targets. And, you know, general rule of thumb uh, in the in the industry is that retirees need to replace between 70 and 80 percent of your pre-retirement income. So most people have not done that calculation. Yeah, that's very, very important. You have to make sure you know what your target is, what your goal is and your bogey for, you know, reaching retirement. And and that means, you know, if somebody is bringing home, say, $80,000 salary um, at the peak of their working years, uh, then they have to save enough before retirement to generate about 80% of that, which would be about $64,000 per year um, of income. So an investment in something like an annuity, they use that as an example here, that generates a 3% annual return, that would require $2.1 million to throw off that 
that eighty thousand, sixty-four thousand dollars a year. Um, now, of course, they don't year. include they don't include Social Security in there, so they don't. You know, yeah, that, well, yeah, that's that's no Social Security. That's just straight out of the right. if you needed that on t- maybe on top of Social Security. But that's without any inflation protection, too, if you put it in True. a fixed annuity like that. Yep. Um, you know, but if you're in a well-diversified portfolio with at least half in equities, then you might be able to take out 4 or 5% each year and still have it grow to, to provide some inflation increases in the future. So on top of pensions and Social Securities, I mean, retirees, they, they can do other things, too. They sure. can also supplement their income by, you know, working part-time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but the first step is to know what your retirement savings number is, so you know where you need to get for retirement. Yeah, that's such an important one. It sure is. It really is. So that was number three. Number four here on the list is investing too conservatively or too aggressively. Um, yeah, I mean, twenty-somethings usually should not have most of their retirement savings in bonds or fixed-income investments, right? That are hardly going to keep up with inflation. But on the flip side. People that are near retirement should not have all their nest eggs in the stock market, which could drop 50% in the next bear market and derail their retirement plans. So, you know, generally, advisors like us, we recommend, you know, shifting a little more conservative as you get older. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. Gen- and we generally suggest having um, most of your money in the stock market until you're, you know, five to seven years out to retirement. kind of depends on what your risk tolerance is. At that point, you may scale back to have 40 or 50% in, uh, in fixed income. And, you know, this decision really is also based on your comfort level for risk and volatility. And, you know, are you the type who looks at their statement every month and frets over a 3 or 4% drop, or do you ignore it and simply evaluate it once a year? So, I mean, I have some folks that we work with that look at it daily. Right. It's like it will absolutely drive you crazy if you look at it daily. Um, it will. And you have to be, and those type of people have to be more conservative if you're just yes. going to look at it every day and, and worry right. about it, unfortunately. But, yeah, in today's world, I mean, we see retirees, I think, being too conservative more so than too aggressive. Um, you know, you remember that you still need to generate enough return to create that 4 to 5% withdrawal for income and hopefully have some additional return to, on top of that to keep up with inflation. Mm-hmm. So that usually means you need to have probably at least half of your money invested in the stock market right. to be able to do that. So that was number four, investing too conservatively or too aggressively. And the last one here on the list is failing to anticipate a long life. Um, you know, with lifespans on the rise and, and the, the advances in medical care, uh, retirees can count on living another 20 or 30 years uh, or longer, you know, after retirement. And that means that they need even more savings than their parents had, right? I mean, rising health care costs, long-term care expenses also can eat up those funds. So you have to err on the side of a bigger retirement fund. Um, than than being right on target. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want the error to be yeah. You can't afford yeah. to come up short here, right? Right. So you want to yeah. overshoot a little bit if you can. <laughs> so you don't want to be too concerned with that. If you find that all this advice is confusing, I mean, consider this strategy: just save eighteen percent. Um, <laughs> Easy. Easy, yeah, just 18%. That's it. That's a savings rate for a medium earner, uh, you know, would need if he or she started saving age 35 and plans to retire at age 68, 
which is pretty late retirement, according to the Boston College Center for Retirement Research. Well, Dave Ramsey recommends a 15% mm-hmm. for savings. That's what we stick with for most of the people that we recommend. You know, so and, and I could say this, too. In my 20-plus years or so in this business, I have never seen a retiree that came up short who put back at least 15% for most of their working career. So I think yeah. that's a pretty safe default, 15%. Yeah, I agree. I think, and that's hard to do. Not, I think we see the it average is. savings rate is maybe 5 to 7%, so most people are not anywhere close to that. Right. No. But that does include your match. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you get a 3% match, you can put back 12%. So you got to work your way up there. But if yeah. you get there by age 30 and you're putting back 15%, I think you're in pretty safe territory. Yeah, I agree. You know, I have a kind of a success story here with a relative of mine. In fact, it's my brother. Um, When he was about 18, I was talking to him then about contributing or, you know, going to contribute to a Roth IRA, you know, and he started then. At 18? At 18. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, and now he's 30 and he's right around 15% savings. Awesome. Uh, And he's been doing that since roughly... 20 years old. So, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he's going to be in a pretty good position. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I know we have our kids, you know, started and, you know, start at 17 if you can. Right, Matthew? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we did start. Yeah, my kids started yeah. early, too, you know, as soon as they started working. It so. adds up over time, no doubt. Well, you know, the Boston Center for Retirement um, finds the two most important factors for creating a retirement nest egg, the savings rate and then the age of retirement. And, you know, if people could work until they're 70, they could have a higher chance of uh, secure retirement. You know, at that point, Social Security is going to be higher, gives your 401K assets a chance to grow, and it also reduces the number of years that you have to support yourself. So, you know, that's one option that we sit down when clients are looking at retiring is we look at that number that we talked about and we do a retirement plan. Sometimes it says you need to work another two or three or four years. Yeah, a little, a few extra years does help, but 70, I think, is a little extreme. I mean, why not go to 80? Gee, <laughs> come on. 70 is a little extreme. No <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the Boston Center for Retirement Fund uh, Research, I guess, that suggested that. But, yeah, a few more years does make a big difference. I don't think it can plan on that because no, you can't. You know, people, the employers don't want to around in your late sixties typically. Yeah, the stats that we see are people leave the workforce before they thought they would because of getting laid off or health reasons. Exactly. Right? So you have to plan on a reasonable retirement age. So anyway, I mean, the bottom line here is don't despair. I mean, it, if your investments are still recovering from the last recession, you can catch up. You just got to avoid these pitfalls. You got to start saving and planning yeah. now and work your way up to the fifteen percent. Yeah, give us a call. We can uh, help you look at your situation. Absolutely. All right. Well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and GM News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, an advisor in our office. And uh, we are going to lead off our uh, second segment here with the question of the week. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Dave's show this this last week, and um, I listen to it often, actually. But this question came from a, a listener, and uh, interesting his response and his um 
Dave sometimes can be uh, pretty straightforward. He's pretty blunt. He's yeah, pretty blunt. He beat around the, he's not a nice guy like us. Yeah. We, we try to we try soften, soften things up, not hurt your feelings. He was not happy with the way she was approaching this. And, and so the question was, is this lady was just laid off from her job, and she had some debt. And so the question was, is should she take money out of her 401K to pay off the bills? And, and the answer um, was? Well, absolutely. he said no. Heck I mean, no. She yeah. had like 50000 in 401K. Um, and then she had about thirty thousand worth of, of debt, so it was going to wipe out, you know, fifty thousand worth of retirement. And you know, when you look at when you take out for money from a four hundred one k, you've got the federal tax rate, you've got state, and then you've got a penalty if you're under fifty nine and a half. So plus, you don't learn anything. Yeah, well, that was what he was getting at. Yeah, so you get ready, you'll be right back there in another three years because it was just too darn easy. Yeah, and he was he was pretty blunt with her. He he's basically said, go get a job. And you can pay the monthly amounts. Um, so instead of treating the the symptom, you know you got to treat the the problem associated with it. So yeah, if you don't have if you don't feel some pain in fixing that problem, you're going to be right back there. Yeah, right. I mean, it, there's got to be some pain involved. I mean, it's like your kids. You know, if your kids get in debt and you go bail them out, you know, of their credit card debt. Guess what? Mm-hmm. You just set yourself up for a bigger one you yeah, know, next about time. five years down the road because they're going to be right back there. Yeah, in this this case, that 50000 who knows what it would grow to. Um, I don't know how old she was, but if it's 20 years, I mean, that could be a $100,000, you know, mistake. Right. right. Um, I think if you have a small account, you know, maybe not as big of a deal, but um, Dave was pretty adamant about it, so... Yeah, and I don't know how they treat that through bankruptcy. I mean, you might be able to go through bankruptcy and keep your retirement plan. I know you can keep a retirement plan, but if it's an IRA, I'm not sure whether you can or not. But basically said, go get a job. Yeah, that's it. You got to get a job. You got to start paying it off. That's a good question of the week, no doubt. All right, that leads up to our next question, our next topic here, and that is after QE3 ends. um, You know, it's a great article here about. You know, what's going to happen with the Fed and with interest rates and with the economy after QE3 ends? Yeah, this uh, article is from Marketing Pro. It's a service that we subscribe to. And, um, you know, the question is, is can can stocks keep their momentum once the Federal Reserve quits um, easing, which means they're not going to be putting as much money in? And, um, you know, according to its June policy meeting minutes, which just happened, the uh, Federal Reserve plans to wrap up the QE3 this fall. And barring some economic turbulence, the central bank's ongoing stimulus efforts will conclude on schedule with the last $15 billion cut to zero being authorized in the October meeting. So it looks like, you know, they planned this for, man, years, right? Oh, yeah. It's been going on yeah. for six years now. Yeah, it is. And just... To define what this means a little bit for folks that are not like super, you know, uh, on top of the 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 uh, terminology, the, the terminology is what Fed's doing. QE three was a program where the Fed was buying back long term bonds in an effort to artificially keep interest rates low, mm-hmm. right? Um, bid up the price of interest uh, of bonds, which makes interest rates low. And so it was a way of stimulating the economy because they had already dropped the interest rate to zero, right. essentially, the short-term rate. And that was their primary way of stimulating the economy. So they had to go this QE3 to further stimulate the economy. And it, it worked pretty well. I mean, you know, it did keep interest rates low. Well, now they're winding that down. They're they're tapering, as they say, so that every every Fed meeting or every month, I think it is, mm-hmm. they're backing off Dropping 10, it down. 10 10 billion dollars a month and they've signaled this to the market i mean this is not a surprise right so yeah so they're they're obviously you know winding this down they're on schedule to have this thing i think 
done by the end of the year um, where they, they, they're not going to be buying back any more bonds. So the question is, when might the Fed start tightening or start raising interest rates after they've uh, finished uh, tapering and they're not buying back any more bonds? And so, yeah, as the Fed has pledged, I mean, to keep short-term interest rates near zero for a considerable amount of time after QE3 ends, um, it might be well into 2015 before the start of, of raising interest rates occurs. Mm-hmm. In June, um, the the Federal Reserve uh, policymakers thought the benchmark interest rate would be about one and a half percent or so. Uh, June of 2016, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a long ways out here, um, or lower uh, by the end of, of 2015. And a majority of the FOMC members, which is the, the you know, federal... Uh, open Market Committee. Yeah, there you go, Open Market Committee members. They saw it being about 2.5% or less at the end of 2016. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's still those are still some super low interest rates. Yeah, but, you know, it, it may not climb that much in the short term. You know, Reuter, right. Reuters recently indicated that most economists felt that Central Bank would raise the key interest rate by about a half a percent during the second half of 2015. And in late June, 78% of traders surveyed by Bloomberg News saw that the first rate hike in several years coming by September of next year. So it looks like everything they're talking about is a 2015 event. Obviously, no one knows. Uh, everybody tries to predict it. but um, So the question is, is, are the markets ready to stand on their own? And, and this quantitative easing has powered this bull market, and stocks haven't seen haven't been the only uh, beneficiary. Today, almost all asset classes in the stock market are trading at prices that are historically high relative to fundamentals. Now, we've seen some P.E. ratios that don't bear that out, but I think you you can't argue that this has not helped the market. It has helped sure. to put more liquidity in the market and has helped to, um, to, to make it increase. Yeah, I don't think the market's at <clears throat> historically high levels like they mentioned here. I mean, that sounds kind of like the Janet Yellen comment here yeah. recently yeah. about certain sectors, you know, being about, pricey. Yeah. Um, which is reminiscent of Greenspan back in '96. Yeah, and the irrational, irrational exuberance comment. Yeah, it's just so. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if she continues that going forward. But yes, yeah, some of the research from the the capital economics is worth mentioning. Um, since 1970, stocks have gained an average of 11 percent in the 21 months windows in which the Fed greenlighted successive interest rate hikes. Now, that is less than the long-term average, but still, it's it's positive returns, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, bear markets could argue that the bears, people that believe that we're, you know, headed for bear markets, they could argue this time it's going to be different and the stocks can't possibly push higher in the absence of easing. But, you know, then again, I mean, this is uh, – bull market has shattered a lot of expectations. So what if we get to a new – New natural, new, new neutral. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, you know, what if they don't raise it like they like they have in the past? In two thousand and nine, the legendary bond manager uh, Bill Gross, who's a Pimco manager, for those of you who don't know, um, he forecasted a new normal for the economy, a long limp back from the Great Recession marked by years of slow growth. And while Gross has staggering, uh, staggeringly. You know, has been wrong about some of the major market calls of late. I mean, his take on that post-economy uh, wasn't too far off. Yep. Post-recession economy in 2010 to 13, the annualized GDP 
growth averaged 2.3%, which was pretty poor versus the Mm 3.7% long-term average from the 50s through the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it – well, personally, I think they will raise it up to – Neutral, if they can, mm-hmm. if we don't have a recession before they right. hit neutral. They try to, you know, <clears throat> take care of inflation. That's the concern yeah. at some point in the future. And, you know, Gross, uh, Bill Gross, again, he's a legendary guy in the industry. Um, he's missed on some calls, but he's calling the new neutral where short-term interest rates of 2% or less through the year 2020. And, I mean, you know, this is this is hard, Steve, when you look at um, a lot of our retirees yeah, and so forth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think he's wrong. You think you think it'll go higher than that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, their 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 target has always been four and a half percent, or at least they've expressed that recently. Even Bernanke reinforced that recently. Um, <clears throat> that four and a half percent is the neutral target, mm-hmm. and they marched right up to that in two thousand and three and four. Whenever they raised interest rates after the last recession, you know, previous to this one. And they, they, they raised a quarter point every single meeting, and they didn't relent till they got the 4.5% yeah. as much as I warned them to because it was kind of holding the stock market back. Yeah. And well, it's going to be interesting. I think, um, you know, if the inflation starts to tick up, then it'll increase quicker. Bottom line on all this, nobody knows. Nobody right? knows. Be diversified in your portfolio. We believe in, in um, you know, being really high-quality short-term in bonds. Um, you can ask 100 economists, 50 is going to say one thing, and the other 50 is going to say the exact opposite. So Yeah, well, what they're going to do is they're going to follow, they're going to react to the economy, mm-hmm. right? right? And so as soon as the economy pulls back and we have a quarter like we did this year where it's negative, they're going to stop whatever they're doing, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's tightening. Right. And they're going to start easing again. Sure. So they're going to change course very quickly. You can't predict that, even though they have this nice path and, and history kind of set out. And if we got into a really steady economy, I think they would yeah, I agree. raise rates. But that's not you know, that's not the way the world works, mm-hmm. usually. So, All right, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are leading off our last segment here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, this prescription has to do with um, people stealing your information and money. Um, so just, Ouch. Yeah, yeah just, I just had that happen, actually. Really? Well, I had a fraud on one of my credit cards. Cards. Right, and they called me. They sent me an email and said, "Call immediately." You know, we don't recognize this charge, and they canceled my card. Yeah, and I was like, "Crap!" So now I got to change everything you wow. know, that I have set up on that card. Yeah. It was one of the cards I use all the time. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I had a I had a client who um, had someone that had accessed her bank account, and uh, the bank couldn't explain it, and so she had to go through and change everything. So, I guess the point of this is, is people are trying to to get into your personal information, look at stuff online, make sure you look at your statements and yep. you get them. But, I mean, I look at my accounts, you know, weekly, um, you know, sometimes sometimes daily. I also have some um, 
you know, credit freezes on, and then also um, the CSID, which is a, a consumer ID protection that the state of South Carolina provided. So just spend some time and make sure you look at it. That and be careful what you put online as far as personal oh, yeah. information. No, that's a good point. Uh, because a lot of times just certain cues, even on uh, social media outlets, can lead someone that's, that's right. sophisticated in fraud, you know, to be able to uh, put together a trail that can mm-hmm. Yeah, can you got to be real really careful bad. where the information goes. And I don't know how they get it, but somehow, you know, it, it, I guess you, you use a vendor online or something, they pick up your information and start, oh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, they give it away or sell it or something. If you go to, but, to Amazon, I mean, Amazon has thousands of manufacturers that they're just kind of the front end and then you go into the the manufacturer's information so for fortunately you know per the uh, the what was it the credit protection act of 1990 or something like that you're only liable for 50 dollars sure. of fraudulent right. charges on your card that's right and most cards waive that anyway so credit card companies are looking very very closely mm-hmm. at oh, yeah. fraud and they're running these programs and that's what's happened to me with the american express man when they see a charge they immediately will reject the charge and they'll send me an email asking me. Matter of fact, I had to log on the other day to clear one of the charges I was trying to make Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't let it go through. And I got an email said, is this fraud? Buy more golf clubs? Yeah, I had to log on. No, it was, uh, well, I don't even remember what it was. They wouldn't flag that one with you. I think it was a business thing. It was was something for business, you know. It's like a renewal type thing or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, not, yeah, they would recognize golf clubs and say, oh, yeah, golf. Steve Marvin, golf. Oh, that's surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. No, not. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good good uh, fact of prescription of the week, and that leads us up to our last topic here, which is also about retirement, your retirement readiness checklist. These are the things you need to check off, make sure you're good with and you're in good shape on before you pull the trigger on retirement. Yeah, this this comes from Morningstar, and a uh, good article. I, I like it. It um, highlights some, some key areas, and, you know, I mean, the, the reality is, is, you know, Retirement is complicated. Um, planning a wedding is complicated. But, you know, if you break them down into smaller pieces, you can accomplish it. And, you know, one of those, you know, creating a financial plan for your retirement really is no different. I mean, retirement planning looks daunting uh, from a couple of different angles. Not only do you have to create a plan um, and you have a lot of big unknowns like how long you're going to live, how will the markets behave, inflation, things like that. But then you have to um, encounter, you know, crazy terminology that's out there like RMDs and SPIAs and, you know, there's a whole bunch of jargon in the industry which can be complicated. So, you know, again, take this task, boil it down to a, a process, craft a, a sturdy plan, and, um, you know, there's there's a couple of different steps we're going to go through that you can uh, that you can start with. And the first one's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it is, and that is optimizing your retirement date. Um, you know, not everybody gets to set their own retirement date, John. I mean, there's health issues, there's layoffs, there's People are forced out of the workforce earlier than they would like to um, due to certain conditions. But, you know, if you're able to to really set your date, it's worthwhile to really optimize that date based on factors such as, you know, your Social Security, Mm -hmm. um, based on do you have enough assets to support the income that you need or you at your retirement number. And, you know, and plus your own quality of life considerations. I mean, your health and your plans for the future, you know, you're ready to, to kind of change gears and go into retirement mode and do the things that you really want to do in retirement. So, 
Yeah, you want to optimize your retirement date. That's yeah. the first step. That's a that's a good one. That kind of leads into the next one. It's kind of tied to that is assess what your in retirement income needs are going to be. Now, we talked about this earlier. Common rule of thumb for retirement planning is about 80%, 70 to 80% in retirement that you'll have to replace uh, of your working income. But, you know, that's just a ballpark at best. Some frugal retirees spend substantially smaller percentages uh, of their working income, while other retirees spend just as much, um, you know, that they did when they had a, a paycheck coming in. So forecast what your income needs. This is a critical step. I mean, you know, before you can really have a comfort in turning off that W-2 income, you have to know what your, your income requirements are going to be. You have to sit down and do that old budget, right? Absolutely. People don't like that, that budget word, but it, it does, it is freeing uh, as you go in, into retirement. So that's number two. Number three here on the list is quantify and maximize your pension and social security benefits. I mean, you know, this guaranteed lifetime income is like gold in retirement. The more of your income um, that you're able to replace with social security or a pension, the less you're going to have to rely on your own portfolio to pay the bills. So that means it's only wise to make sure that you're getting the most out of the guaranteed income sources. So Social Security planning. A lot of people say, should I take it at 62? Right. Should I wait till 66? I mean, it's a big some, deal. There's some analysis that needs to go on to try to maximize that. And that's one of the things that we work with our clients on is trying to figure out how to maximize the amount of Social Security. Yeah, you, know? you need to be very careful there. I mean, you know, a couple extra years can make a big difference on pensions and Social Security. I mean, if your pension's still going up and you're not a 100% benefit yet, mm-hmm. and it's going up at 5 or 7% per year, I mean, you might want to consider sticking around a year or two. Yeah. And Social Security goes up 7 to 8% per year that you delay. That's so right. That's a big deal. Think about that. Yeah, n- the number four here on the list is evaluate the appropriateness of annuities. Uh, annuities can be another source of lifetime income, but they can be really, really complicated and in some cases very, very expensive products. So before sinking a portion of your assets into an annuity, make sure you understand what you're getting. Some of them don't have inflation protection. Um, most of the time people come in with annuities, they have no idea what they have. So spend some time before you lock in your money um, into an annuity. Yeah, and then also determine whether your plan spending rate is sustainable. You know, I mean, once you've determined your in-retirement income needs and how much of them that will be covered by certain income sources such as Social Security or pensions, the amount that's left over is going to have to be supplied by your investment, Mm -hmm. by your portfolio, right? So the amount that you plan to withdraw from your portfolio divided by your portfolio's current value, that's your withdrawal rate. You know, and that's the the percentage um, that you're going to be taking out, and it needs to be less than four or five percent per year to be sustainable. So you have to be careful and make sure that your your your, your spending rate is going to be sustainable um, over the long haul. Yeah, that's right. And once you do that, you then have to um, you have to craft a uh, long term portfolio. I mean, long gone are the days that retirees can just subsist on the income from their cash and bonds, like we talked about earlier. Interest rates are low, um, likely going to stay low for a period of time. So you got to have, um, our, in our belief, based on your, your risk tolerance, have some in, in equities that, that you can grow, provide an income, and also have some inflation adjustments as well. So um, and that's one of the things we do for our clients is we craft that, that portfolio. Another one here on the list is um, pay attention to tax management. I mean, taxes are increasing Every year, we don't know where they're going to be in the future, but I think the writing's on the wall. They're probably not going to decrease. That's right. So. And if you're a young person, that means invest in a Roth. That's yeah. the easiest way to to tap, manage your taxes in retirement. That's right. There's not a lot you can do about it once you're retired. 
But if you put it in a Roth, it's going to be tax-free forever. That's right. That's right. And if you don't have it in a Roth and you have it in an IRA, there'll be RMDs. Um, they'll require you to take it out. So you got to make sure that, that you pay attention to taxes. That can be a big deal in, in retirement. Yeah, and make sure you're adequately insured. You know, I mean, even as investors are naturally attuned to growing your assets, it's also important to protect them. And the best way to do that is to make sure you're insured against you know, the unexpected, potentially ruinous expenses that are out there. So, you know, obviously you got to have the expenses while you're working, the homeowners, the auto insurance, um, for example. But you're also going to need those things when you retire. But there's some other things you'll need, like maybe a Medicare supplement, maybe long-term care coverage. Mm-hmm, so you just mm-hmm. need to look at those other coverages and make sure that you're adequately covered well into retirement. There you go. And the last one here on the list, Steve, is, is estate planning, just kind of sitting down, Looking at um, key aspects of your of your assets, um, what should happen if you uh, pass away or become incapacitated? You know who's going to, you know, be the executor. Um, just kind of sitting down and doing some planning. So this is a pretty comprehensive list. This is one of the things we it work with our one. clients on. If if you don't have an advisor or someone you're working with, go find one. We'll be more than happy to sit down with you. But um, for most people, this is a this is a great way to to go. No doubt. All right. Good list. And that brings us up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.